Five Pin Universe's 17th podcast, the live edition. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have the regulars, the Wisemans, Dexter and Tim, Adam Weber, and our special guest is Bubble Boy Robbie Wolfson. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to start out. Our first question is, uh, what do you think makes Pinfall better in a house? Is it the approaches or the oil conditions or even the pin bands? Let us know your thoughts. For me, it's the approaches. I'll actually go to an event, you know, 45 minutes, an hour early, just to make sure I got a slide down. Once I get a slide down, I think everything else kind of goes to it, but you need some oil out there. Bands are obviously big. The new pins, you know, pin bases in Edmonton are, are massive, right? But uh, approaches in it are probably the key, in my opinion. I, I think you're showing up an hour early because that's how long it takes you to get up on the lanes. Not true. <laughs> um, uh, for me, it's a, it's a combination of both, really. Um, the approaches don't affect me as much unless it's uh, a place that's extremely fast. Um, otherwise, I, I prefer heavier approaches, but um, I can handle anything in between except for like the really lightning fast. I prefer to have a set of lanes that have a little bit of movement on them anyways. I find pinfalls tends to increase with a little bit of back end movement, but that works for me anyways. And that's oil, right? Back yes. end movement's more oil? Uh, back end movement would be less oil. Less, less, oil, oil, less oil on the back. <laughs> in, in comparison to like, you know, if you go to places, like Heritage is very oily, right? Yeah. So you won't get any movement at the end at all. Whereas like, I, I prefer playing in Sherwood Park, obviously, but at the end, there's a lot of movement at the end. So um, I prefer that for sure. I, I think it's a little bit about uh, Depends on the tournament, I think, in a way, because for me personally, I, I'm perfectly, I agree with Adam on it. I definitely need to have a better slide. The approaches are big for me, but we're talking about lane conditions. I think if your approaches are, are fine, you can adjust to those, and find something that works for you. I find that I can adjust for a, uh, like a dry set of lanes or, a, or a fast set of lanes. Uh, if we're playing somewhere like Heritage, I know maybe the scores might not be as high as, say, at a place like Bonnie Doon, just because of the conditions. So I'm actually, I'm probably even more adept to making sure the approaches are better, just so I can grind it out and, and maybe at a Masters tournament, maybe, you know, you're still trying to shoot 21, 2200, but you're also playing for seeding, so you're, you end up grinding a little bit more. And I think the big thing, too, is consistent approaches, because you can be in some houses where the, the lanes are different, so you can slide on one lane and stick on another, so you need to be consistent. You're right. I mean, for me, I've had a knee injury, which was my slide knee a number of years ago now, but I need to be confident that I can slide because obviously that's your release. Your feet speed up if your approaches aren't consistent, like that really messes mm -hmm. with your mind and you lose your confidence on your delivery and your release. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've seen pinfall plummet because not even just inconsistent from lane to lane for the slide, but inconsistent on the lane from inside to outside. Uh, there was one center we were at for Masters a couple of years ago where it was super, super slick up the middle. But if you slid outside to go for the corners or anything, it was like walking into a brick wall. Right. Um, and and that, that is not A, like it's gonna injure you, and B, it's just, you lose all trust on your shot. Because you never know what's gonna happen. That's what I was expecting out of Stetler this year. And then approaches were great for Master yeah. Stetler this yeah. year. Yeah. And all of a sudden you see scores skyrocket. Yeah. Right, there, there's a direct correlation to it. Uh, do you guys find that there's a bigger difference on wood approaches versus synthetic approaches for that consistency factor? I think it, I think it more depends on the center and how they just how they drag lanes. I think most of the time when you start seeing, uh, th there can there can be a, a, a difference with the wood lanes for sure. But I, I find most of it is when people start dragging 
the lanes, off the lanes, and onto the approaches. Um, dragging that oil onto there is what's really going to make them super heavy. And then and then somebody complains that it's slick. Yeah. Or sorry, somebody complains that it's heavy. Yeah. And they go out there and they and they clean up that one spot. Then all of a sudden everything is slick. slick, and then everything yeah. on the outside is heavy. But there can be inconsistencies with wood, and that's simply due to humidity. Humidity plays a big factor yeah. on the wood lanes. Um, everything has a, a water-based coating on top of protective coating. Mm -hmm. So as the humidity picks up, it will make them heavier. So that you can find approaches will change throughout the weekends. Mm -hmm. And it'll also change based on like how much of that protective coating has been worn off too. I, I find a huge difference with synthetic. On like, I use a rubber heel and I squeak all the time. But uh, obviously you don't have that kind of friction on a wood lane mm -hmm. on approach. But on a synthetic lane, you have a little bit more grab with the, the rubber there. Well, I had to go to that, uh, what do they call it, the leading edge yeah. heel, like to, to, to get away from yeah. that, because I was doing the same thing. Yeah. And then at least now you can get a bit of a truer slide with it. For sure. Uh, I, honestly, I think that's one of the biggest things why Bonnie Dunes actually improved so much over the last, what, five, six years. Because that's, that approach, that slide is, to me, it's very consistent, but it's it's, it's really quick. It's right? so fast. So, so the, but there's nobody that there's has no any issue with sticking. No, but I, I literally I've moved back six feet yeah. to try to try to throw my my shot and I'm ending up. That's just because the panels, panels are flipped. Right? It's, like it's, that, there's two feet right there. But it's it's crazy. I'm literally at the back of the approaches, yeah. and I will slide probably ten feet. Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's it's insane. It's really hard for me to be aggressive with my shot because of that, and that's why I don't really like the really fast approaches. Mm -hmm. it's, so it's, re it's really hard for me to stay aggressive in my shot. Um, so yeah, I prefer heavier, of course, but but that's an adjustment you can make with a uh, with the now how everything is with replaceable heels and sliders. Mm -hmm. I honestly I changed from an S eight to an S four, and within about four balls, it had enough coating on it that it was exactly the same. Hmm. It was brutal. You gotta change your heel then. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's times I just I just there's times I just move up a little bit because. It, it's more mental, but now you're closer to the line, so it just forces you to keep mm -hmm. your feet a bit slower, so then naturally you'll have a bit more control in your sight. That'll just work. Moving up a little be bit. halfway down that, the that, lane. Yeah, that'll yeah. work, because yeah. after the first three times you do it, you're going to have so much oil on your slider that It's a little bit. Or, or how about lane one in Regina this weekend? Yeah, slide, <laughs> no, don't slide tell, into the Don't wall. tell Kevin that. Manager doesn't know that. <laughs> hey, that, that should be the first thing we put on 5 in Universe. Throw a live, throw a ball on lane one approach and watch it slam against lane one's wall. <laughs> Solution is have like two or three beers and you'll start leaving. <laughs> That's right. It's fine. That's right. I guess that kind of leads us into the next question. Um, drinking in professional bowling, do you believe that it hinders the sport um, to be recognized or um, do you think it's a, a non-starter? Uh, there's plenty of other sports that do it. Um, a lot of people consider them laughable sports, like darts. Um, obviously, they drink live on that. Um, let me know. I, I don't. I don't think so. I don't personally think so. I think. Uh, I, th I think there's like a line, obviously, but um, there's there's lots that go into it. First of all, it's a proprietor around sport, so it's really hard to deter organizations or anything like that to um, make it dry events because at the end of the day this game it WCBT and some of the boards are progressing but a lot of the game we are losing people 
and um, as an industry we need to make money the the biggest um, the biggest expenses are, are you know leases and stuff like that and it's it's really hard to pay rent when you're not able to even sell liquor so from the proprietor standpoint I think that uh, it's a necessity um, as a sport itself I don't really think it really deters I don't, I don't I don't think it makes the game laughable or not you know on the same level as other sports considering uh, the history of some of the other major sports out there it, w it was all the same uh, you heard stories of people in the NHL being hammered not remembering games um, same thing happened with baseball um, you know it, I, I think I think it's kind of part of sport and I think they've slowly moved away from it but I don't think it makes us any less of a sport when the history is all there for all the others back back in the day uh, we had Carlin O'Keefe as a main sponsor right now part of the reason why Carlin O'Keefe some of you guys can probably clarify with this with me is because we don't allow liquor to be bold in an event you can't drink liquor and you can't have you can't do it while you're playing a provincial national event most for most provinces so they didn't seem that was a, a viable sponsorship anymore, and that's why they kiboshed it. So that aspect, I, I see we can get some val valuable resources on that aspect. Um, as as for, I don't know, I, I see bowling no different than curling or, or pool in a way. Uh, I think maybe maybe you, you don't see the curling during the prior, they're drinking during it, right? They're probably either in the water bottles or back in, in the <laughs> behind scenes, right? But we just have it out more visible, right? So. Um, I'm indifferent on that, I guess. I know I told Kerry no earlier, pretty emphatically, but uh, he did tell me that it is not an Olympic sport and I am not a weightlifter, so <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that goes out the drain. But yeah. uh, as for sponsorship and, and, and making things better with proprietors, I, I think we allow it. Definitely think it's a fine line, right? Like it, You take a look at so-called professional, right? And what does it take to be professional? And in this tour itself, WCBT, is on the cusp of becoming more of a professional style of five pin bowling, right? You're starting to see it in just what we what we wear when we're out there, and uh, I think in the big matches you're not going to see too many people drinking, right? It's just uh, it's a little less professional in my personal opinion. I've got no problem with people going out there because I'll go out there in a dry event and and have just as much success, right? Um, but there are still events that are out there that are dry during the event, right? And uh, I, I think those are more of the professional events that we've got in our in, in our uh, repertoire. I think I think most of those are team events, for the most part, right? I, I think I think uh, if you're looking at things like darts and pool, like Tim had said, a lot of that there it's mm -hmm. muscle memory sports and they're individual sports. And I think that's kind of where it, it draws a line. If you, if your muscle memory is good enough that you can compete at the highest level while consuming alcohol, I don't really see it being unprofessional. If you're at the highest level, you are as close to being professional as you can be. But I think I think the team event is kind of where it kind of draws the line. Yeah. Um, because you don't want to ever be that person that kind of you know lets things down, lets people down, right? But I but. He, here's my thing with that. I, I, for team events, I think you can still allow liquor um, if you have a good team or a good leader on the team or a good manager, a good coach. You can probably get away with it, right? You probably say, hey, you know, maybe you've had enough, or 
hey, we're kind of in this thing. You know, the only one I would really worry about is the runaway. Oh, we're never going to be, we're going to be last no matter why we got another day and a half left, right? And that could screw over the whole provincial event. But I'm actually okay with individuals drinking and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's a little bit different with uh, like Pete Weber. He, Pete Weber is not a cookie cutter bowler. He's he has personality and stuff like that. And in all, in all fairness, when I think about bowling, you know, back in the heyday and back when you see pool or all that, these guys are all characters. They may be a little bit lively, different in the game, but uh, I'm not saying we need somebody absolutely you know falling down, you know, <laughs> completely smashed on the lane, but have a little bit more personality. Uh, I know I know Weber really gives me a hard time about it, but I mean I might have a few beers when I play on um, certain events, and and it does help me in a way. It is I find a little bit more of a drug in a way where I, if I have two or three beers, Weber knows I automatically I'm gonna if I'm playing well I well, just I stop thinking right. Well yeah, and Tim. And, everybody yeah. everybody that listens to the podcast knows that your mental game and your, your adjustments are like top notch. No, in, in, all, in all fairness. <laughs> You guys make fun of my coaching. I said, go to go to YouTube, go to C5PB. I have some really good tutorials out there for all of you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to, to Dux's point, sometimes it's uh, you're in the middle of a block and maybe you're tightening up a little bit, so it's nice to have a beer because it does help calm your nerves, and relax. But it's just to the point where it's not you're not getting out of control. I mean, whether or not obviously we're not Olympic athletes, but the mental part of our game is as strong as any other professional sport that's out there, and whatever you need to do to execute that shot in that moment and if you can still play while you're drinking as long as you're not out of control and in control i've heard stories of people back in the day before our time about how there was lots of crazy people and lots of crazy things that happen with people drinking while they're playing but it's i think it's a different sport today and and obviously we're trying to uh, uh, be role models for youth coming up and it's whatever you need to do to execute but also being responsible for your person and if you're on a team and you just need to be able to execute in that moment in your shot so if you need to have a beer while you're doing it I don't think there's any harm in that is the question more of a perception though right if you had say the two best players one best uh, you know that, that never drank or never drank while bowling versus somebody who gets sloshed during the events is there a perception that those two are truly different for sure okay so here here's yeah. a good one actually good according to your pod, uh, podcast i mean five pin universe rankings mitch weber mitch, <laughs> mitch, mitch, mitch weber. <laughs> sorry adam weber adam weber that would doesn't be drink. mitch davies doesn't <laughs> he was short all right so those two are polar opposites maybe maybe have a poll on now right now who who's better and who's not when it comes to perception yeah. Right. I mean, that, I, it's, yeah. it's very viable. You're, 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 it's exactly perception, though. But in in all professional sports, you have different personalities and you have different outlooks on the game. And you'll you'll have you'll have somebody that is like the cleanest cut guy out there, and everyone's like, you know, like Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby, like everybody hates him, but he's as clean as it is. And then and then you'll have somebody like you know Dan Carcillo back in the day who would run everybody. Sean Avery, who was like the furthest thing from professional right but they're still in the professional sport it's just a different sort of personality that comes out of it yeah or mika kipersoff you hear stories though he's always in the bars you know smoking cigarettes and pounding vodka after the games or probably even intermissions who knows right mm -hmm. so you, you don't know right yeah mm -hmm. I, I just think once you start getting on to a media outlet i think it it, it takes a little bit away from the professionalism if somebody has a beer in their hand while they're out there taking a shot for five grand, 
don't know. That 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 that's my my personal. Yeah, there's, there's a lot yeah. of money on the line. So if someone yeah. wants to risk losing that or losing a match for a could, lot of money because they're drinking too much, I mean that's their risk. But the first, to your point, though, could be the right. first round on the A side, right? But yeah. if, if you start getting hammered here, it might take away that five grand. Oh, no. yeah. 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 So, but, yeah. but it, it, it's personal preference, right? And that's why it is an open setting. It's yeah. just a, is there, I, I think it's more of a perception than an, an absolute. Yeah, and I, I think I think there's a difference between professionalism and a professional sport. I, I think there's also a way you could look at it. Is it the way you want the sport projected, right? Because look at darts. Darts is completely open drinking during all the professional events. Mm -hmm. Or do you want to be an Olympic sport, right? How are we trying to sell the sport is a way to look at it as well. Yeah. Let's be serious. None of us are Olympic athletes. Oh, that's a lie. Um, <laughs> Wilson. <laughs> but darts is deeply respected in its fan base, yeah. and it is actually um, nodded upon to drink during your event and play well while you're drinking. Mm -hmm. So... It's what, more of a perception or how you want to sell it. So what what promotes our game better? As an industry, as a sport, what promotes the game better? And to me, when the upper echelon of bowling is 1% or 2% and 98% of bowling is people wanting to mm -hmm. go out to leagues, socialize, have a drink, and have a good time, I, I don't think it's always bad for us to show... Us having a good time too. Tom, I, I here's here's my thing. Okay, so we run a center, right? We promote liquor sales, right? We promote liquor sales. We promote having a good time, but we are all all proprietors out there promote family fun times, mm -hmm. right? So you're trying to have both, but you have an AC on really one really because you could oh you know liquor sales for the amount of birthday parties that we have in the company uh, that I'm like. You know what? But, I'm gonna have a couple beers. But but you get the point but, though, right? We're so we're, we're promoting. We don't want to promote liquor sales during events or some you know some events, right? To say you may say it, right? But they're also the same ones to promote liquor sales in general. So it's kind of counterintuitive the whole thing. I, I think it's I think it's good that we have different personalities of people that do drink and don't drink too, because that just mirrors society as a whole. I mean, you don't you don't drink when you bowl. You don't drink when you bowl. And I mean, you drink after, but yeah. you don't drink while you bowl. So at, le at least that sort of, you know, kind of puts you towards, you know, the people that may not may not drink in life. You know, saying, well, I, you know, Adam Weber, he's straight edge. He doesn't he doesn't drink or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then and then you know what? Somebody who does, you know, party a little bit harder might love Tim Wiseman because he's hammered while he bowls. <laughs> No, not, they, not, no, not, no, not it's, no, it's not hammered, right? I'm exaggerating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna, I was just gonna say that, Adam. Like when you're watching, uh, if you if you if you um, go to watch the uh, the finals this weekend on the tournament or any, or any previous uh, uh, tournament, and you're watching the people bowl or the YouTube broadcast of, of the WCBT finals from uh, last August, uh -huh. people. We may be having a drink in the background, but we're not. It's not like we're up on the lanes pounding a beer before we go through a ball, right? So and, you come back, you have a yeah. drink. It's discreet, and everyone who's competing, they're in control. Like there's there's no mm -hmm. one that are out there. You may be having a drink in the background, but you know what's on the line. It, it's in control. Yeah. Out, out of the 15 years on tour, I think we only had one issue. I think I had uh, with alcohol, not for me, but one issue with one person making the finals, and he was too intoxicated to. To participate properly, and he kind of ruined the whole thing. Was that a Collingwood? No, it was at uh, Autumn Open 16s. 
Well, that's the gentleman general. from Manitoba. There's always one person, right? That's that that ruins it for all the people yeah. that do it responsibly, right? right? So, right, just like yeah. in, in our open trials, yeah. we can we can bowl while we're playing. So why can we? I have, have a drink when I, we're at provincial. I think the same tournament. I think yeah. I basically. Well, I think you, you Robbie, can. Robbie, I no, you can't. On buys and See, Robbie, I'm a big component. I think we should be drinking during the provincials. Yeah, I think so, but. Uh, you should have the option to option drink to not be drinking. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. All right. Okay. Over here. We got a funnel. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm closer to Adam. Like I, I'll have a, a beer, but I'm not going to drink excessively. But I also can't seem to make a cut, so maybe I should start. So. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, okay. Anyways, so mo moving on to that. So we are literally the day before the 2019 Regina Classic. Um. So we had a couple of questions. How do you guys approach the last couple of games of your qualifying shift when you have an idea of what the predicted cut is? Um, do you take a different uh, do you take a different thought process going into those last two games, or is it business as usual? Business as all, usual. All depends how the first six went. You're ex exactly what I was going to say. If I'm playing okay. really well, my first six. If I'm playing, if I'm playing good. I don't even look at the score sheet because it, it doesn't matter. You know yep. you're playing good. You know you're going to be good enough for the cut. You don't even worry about it. But if you're if you struggled a little bit and you're starting to pick it up and, and you're getting better, that's when I look after game six and I'll be like, you know what? If I shoot six fifty in my next two, I'm okay. And then that 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 gives me a little bit of motivation. Yeah. I but uh, if I'm playing well for the first six, the last two don't matter. I don't. I I'm totally. I don't. Know. To me, I'm okay with that. Uh, I I played different. Probably I don't play any differently. No, I wouldn't. I I think I just status quo. I uh, if I'm playing really well, honestly, I wouldn't look at the score really anymore because I know I'm playing well. But uh, I become over superstitious, like absolutely, like to the max, over superstitious. Like I'm, I'm. It's true though. It's true. Like I I would have to sit in the same spot if I'm playing well. I have to do the same things every time. And it just if I did something well for one game. Then I'll carry over it. Hopefully, I don't do ten different things well, <laughs> because then I'll be up on the approach like Adam. But I mean, it's all the same with that. I, I, uh, I'm very superstitious when I play longer, so I try to keep things status quo the best I can. You just try to stay in the moment. Yeah. Right. You, you, you know how you played probably the first six, right? You know if you're needing big scores. Everybody has kind of a cut number in in their mind. So you, you usually know what double you need the last two, right? If you go in knowing that you're going to need 450, you might only shoot 520, 500, yeah. right? So you want to keep that status quo. You're always going out there trying to shoot three, 300 plus, right? Um, I don't know. That's... Yeah. I think, like, I'm going to chime in here. Mark Johnstone. <laughs> uh, I think, like, for me, uh, if I'm, like, close to making the cut or, like, I'll probably... Very close to making the cut line above or below. I'll probably like slow things down a little bit for me. Uh, I need to focus a little bit more, concentrate on what I'm doing a little bit more, and just kind of slow thing everything down a little bit. Because you kind of get a little antsy, you kind of get to the end before you're before you're there. So I would just slow everything down, take my time, and just just focus a little bit more. So that's what I would do. Not my issue. Yeah. <laughs> Status quo. Yeah, I'm, I'm the opposite. I yeah. get too quick. I totally I'm get up, it. Up, up too fast. Yeah. You're trying to start everything down. Honestly, that's Calm probably ninety-five percent of players in yeah. that. That right? They, you start thinking about scores. They, they you start again. You're looking at mm -hmm. the finish line. You can't look at the finish line. You got to stay with the ball that's in your hand. 
right? Yeah, and I think this is actually a great question for me because well documented, I'm the bubble boy um, <laughs> in many tournaments. Um, and I'm usually actually fine for the first five, six games, but it's just when it's getting down to those final few games where for whatever reason, you just start hearing people around you, um, whatever, getting on a run, getting loud. I, I try not to pay attention to the scoreboard because I don't want someone who maybe he's not even in it, but he's getting loud. But I, but then I get nervous because that person may be that person that's chasing me or I'm chasing them. So I need to find a way personally just to stay in that moment, just worry about my own scores because there's so many other things going around around you that you can't control. Yeah, you need to find a way to stay in your own game, in your own moment. That's, I think that's where I lose my confidence a little bit, why I always finish a few pins short, because I'm just, I, instead of focusing on my own game, I'm kind of looking around and looking at the scores and this and that. And, and so I guess maybe your guys' advice, how I can personally uh, focus on my own stuff. What do but, you guys do? But, you know, honestly, Robbie, I mean, shooting two twenty two hundreds. And not making the cut is necessary. Not necessarily three twenty two hundred. Three. Okay. Well, that's even worse. Two the but, same here. <laughs> but yeah. but real but realistically, that's something you can't control. Yeah. You can't control a twenty two hundred. Union, you not making a twenty two hundred. It just. Yeah. Right. You played yeah. well. It just you just missed maybe a couple pins here or whatnot. And, yeah. And I don't think you can really be upset about that. If you're shooting a two thousand, and you, you all you do is shoot twenty one hundred, and you know you had. You had sixteen hundred. All you need to shoot five hundred to make it. The last two, then then you probably have to start analyzing right. that a little bit more. But I I don't think you really have to. I know we harp on you a lot, and we love harping on you. But <laughs> I take it as fun. But but I don't think you have to change anything there. It's just you have to be confident with it still. Yeah. Well, and th- sorry. Go, go, ahead, ahead. Go, go ahead. No, no, you. Yeah. One recommendation I would make is those final two games. If you do feel that pressure starting to hit you, go talk to somebody about something non bowling. Just, just take your mind off of bowling. Just get back to like a normal seat. My game lives oh, on that. It's incredible <laughs> how important it is. And yeah. Even last year at this event, uh, playing the consolation round, and uh, I had Michael Cousier standing next to me. We were just talking about his, some of his old hockey and uh, with Tasquin, some some event that he was in with Tasquin. Literally, you don't even realize you go out there, throw a strike, come back, and you're not thinking about bowling, right? Yep. So you, you take a little bit of the nerves out, and then yeah. you just control what you can control. And that is 100% the reason why you'll never see me in like a singles event, sit down below and just stare at the screen or watch bowling or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm always the guy that's up top talking to somebody. Yeah. Always. It's uh-huh. just... Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And two years ago, last game, I had Mark Miller just at the at the table, and we were just chatting about stuff, and I ended up banging out five bagger for three thirty five, and that's when I had my twenty two twenty. You thought it was there. Right? Text my wife yeah. that I made the cut finally, yeah. and the cut was twenty two twenty seven. So uh, how disappointed uh, but, was she? Oh. Yeah, yeah. But but to your point, you're right. Oh, we're, Mark and I were just, just talking. Mark and I were just Mark and I were just talking about uh, just random stuff. Yeah, it wasn't I, anything I, about bowling. Brewster's was, was really good that day, wasn't it? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so following that same line, uh, Robbie, what do you think the cut's going to be? <laughs> Bubble boy? Yeah. <laughs> One more plus whatever Tim says. <laughs> oh, Red Deer was awesome. Red Deer. Yeah. <laughs> 2103. Don't worry, Rob. Cut's 2104. <laughs> yeah, screw you, Tim Wiseman. <laughs> Wasn't it actually Tim Wiseman, though? Yeah, it yeah. was. Oh, okay. No, no. Yeah. Tim- and I won consolation. And then he won consolation. Yeah. Robbie was on yeah. suicide watch. Yeah, I was on suicide watch. Yeah, that, that sucked. Yeah. Um, but no, obviously I listened to the podcast last week and Kevin said that the scores were probably going to be a little bit lower. And, and, but I don't know. I, I still don't believe it. It's still Regina. It's still 
great players. It's still people that, uh, you know, as we, I've, as you guys have all talked about in the last few podcasts, like just the competition's better. Uh, people, uh, bowlers are better. People bring their A games here. Uh, the best of the best still come out. I still think it's going to be 2200. Um, maybe not. I you, mean, said, I, you said 2170 I, something. Like five was, minutes ago. No, no. I, I, st- I still think it's 2200. I mean, right. I'm shooting, uh, as you guys always tell me, bring my 2250 games. So that's what I'm shooting for. But, yeah, twenty, maybe yeah. twenty, maybe 2190, I, I think it, I think it all depends on, on how many players we got. I mean, I think right. the players are still quality. Uh, we were looking at 105 based off what different unique players. And then there's another 25 or 30 people going, so you're 130. You're probably sitting around that 200 mark. If it all depends on rebuys and who plays, and 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 again, the people who are here playing this weekend are really good players. Yep. It's just a uh, matter who who comes out. Right, and we'll keep the special guest trend going. So, uh, Robbie, um, who was your mentor growing up? Huh. So not to uh, oh, pump his tires, but <laughs> Mitch Davies. Mitch Davies. <laughs> Mitch Davies. Um, or or the other, actually, or the better bowler. Uh, Adam Weber, um, you know, it's, um, it's, uh, you know, I started, you know, and a lot of, some people know this, but a lot of people don't. I actually didn't start bowling until I was 15 years old. I didn't, I played two years of IBC just as a senior, but I wasn't very good. Um, just 160, 170 average bowler. Then, uh, no one really got in me. I didn't have a ton of coaching at the time. I was a, a lower average bowler cause I didn't come up to the ranks, didn't play a lot of tournaments. I just started working as, as a teenager, so I couldn't play Saturday morning, so I just kind of walked up, lived close to Schnick Center, started playing uh, just fun fun cash leagues on uh, in the evening leagues. Adam was a pin chaser. He just started uh, giving me uh, tips, and uh, and just I just started every year just slowly, progressively getting better. Uh, back in the day, uh, the men's uh, league on the Masters League at mm-hmm. Schnick was, uh, was the league to play in, um, and but it was a draft league, lots of great players. Uh, in Calgary, and Adam uh, was in the league. He became he became a captain. I think the second year that you're in the something league, like something yeah, like that. Yeah. And then um, I think I was maybe a 220 average at the time. And then so Adam drafted me on this team, and and the rest is history. So I just started getting to get to know the players uh, in town. I started playing two leagues. I uh, got to know the the Webers. Started or uh, sorry the Sandersons. Uh, started playing a toddler as well. But it was really uh, Adam and I. We used to go and mm-hmm. and just throw game after game and. I never knew how much money you could lose playing a dime a pin, but uh, <laughs> lost hundreds of dollars I, I, I at a dime a pin uh, so, back in the day. So, but no, it was it, it was yeah. Adam. So, Robbie, was, were, was Adam looking saw you for your talent, or just looking for a friend, or was he just trying to take your money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, easy, easy target. Uh, easy target. Um, it worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but it, it was that's awesome. It was that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, following with the questions, um, what's your favorite tournament? Um, you know, TPC has a, has always has a place in my heart. It was the 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 first cut I ever made. I actually I made the cut by one pin over uh, Greg Gigliuk. Oh. Um, at uh, when it was at Collingwood, still. Uh, first match. Here's me, a rookie in a cash tournament, and I'm Gino. playing Gino Zebarth. <laughs> uh, Gino in his in his prime. Gino. And uh, I won that match, uh, believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, went to the B's, uh, won that match, went to the A's, uh, lost that match, and then I ran the B's after that. And I beat uh, Michael Coussier, uh, obviously Mike's an awesome player. 
Um, I remember even one time Gino coming up. I was just kind of down below doing my thing, but Gino came up to uh, to Mike afterwards, and I wasn't supposed to hear him, but Gino basically whispered in Mike's ear, "Don't let him get ahead of you. You'll never catch up." And uh, I ended up beating Mike that round. Hmm. Played Brad Wilton in the semifinals, and then I lost to uh, to Blair Pizzi in the finals. And of course, Blair was an awesome player too back in the day. So. TPC always has, has a place in my heart for sure. I love the Open though too. I just love the, uh, just because I haven't played Masters, Nationals yet. I'm hoping to one day with you guys. But uh, mm -hmm. um, but the Open, I just I just love the, uh, the I love being on a team and just being in a, in a team element and just uh, trying to be a, a positive support for a team and just getting a team pumped up and, and trying to help that team out. So I love the team aspect of the Open as well. I, I think... Uh not many people know about Robbie's coaching the Calgary men's team, and I think he'll be really good with them. Excellent coach. I think yeah. he'll be a hell of a pickup. Got so. a great yeah. mind for it. Yeah. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate yeah. that. Um, so I commented too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've already given you kudos. Oh, oh, so we're we're going to have to get construction open the door. <laughs> he pumped Thanks, the tires buddy. once already. That's yeah, that's right. Like, do you want Your head's big enough. 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 Your so Robbie, your toughest match? Oh, that's a well. I already said it, Blair. I mean, it's because um, obviously that was my first time making a finals in the cash tournament, and and only to this date. But uh, I still, I, I think I, I think I still threw. I don't remember the score exactly, but I know I played well. I think I was still eight and a half ish range, and I he was on fire. He was on he was on fire. So uh, for 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 sure, Blair, um, for individual match. Awesome. And then uh, so let us know what's in your bag. What's your arsenal? You know, it's kind of funny. I've, I've again played yes, forever, no but I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have, you know, I'm not the first person on the podcast to say this, and I, and I have different balls. But I, even last night, I was calling Mark Miller. Do you think I should bring these balls or these balls? Because I always, even myself, forget kind of what type of balls work work best in what situations and, and what houses. But I have a I have a pair of uh, blue soft rolls um, that I use uh, mostly. Um, I, for whatever reason, I just love the way they, they feel coming, uh, you know, just the way they feel off my fingers. So I think I get a bit more rotation with those balls. Uh, I have a pair of purple, um, yeah, those, reactives. those react, those Epco yeah. reactive use that yeah. uh, I play a lot with. And my first set of balls was the purple and white, uh, paramounts. Yeah. Um, my react, uh, they're all around three, eight, three, ten, four, seven, eights. Like they're all basically the same size, a little bit lighter, but nothing, no big variation. Um, but I use my soft rolls mostly. And then my, uh, my purple reactive views are uh, a little bit lighter, so I like the they have good roll on them, and then my my uh, paramounts as well. The reactives are just kind of at middle ground between yeah, the two, right? Exactly. So you have exactly. all three options. Yeah, the the paramounts are a bit harder, and, and then the reactives are a nice middle ground, so for sure. And then I wear uh, Dexter uh, SSTs as well. Don't know what what they are, but uh, <laughs> I have no idea. You know, it's funny because I had a. I've all, I used to always just kind of have uh, like a running shoe style shoes, but again, I mentioned earlier I had a knee injury. So actually, uh, Greg Pederitis at the time was uh, watching me and he's like, you should have a wider base on your shoe and just have the rechangeable sliders. And again, not really just paying attention to that stuff at the time. I'm like, that makes sense just to control my slide. And if I have firmer plant, then I'll have a better release on my ball. And uh, and uh, so I just got a pair of reversibles. But luckily, I haven't had the bad luck that uh, you've had with those shoes. So no, I haven't really had yeah. to. You're, you're a lot lighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that's sure that's it. So, uh, SST tanks under this weight. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. So, uh, so I've been okay with those shoes. So, uh, but I, I, I stick wow. to. Uh, I actually, I only use like a. I actually only use a nine or a ten slider. I don't go to the heavy slides that often. I just find that. 
once I'm lower, I just stick, and I just uh, it just mm -hmm. messes with my mind, so I just stick with a, 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 a nine or a ten. Just got to find something that's comfortable. Yeah, all it yep. is. Yeah. Uh, okay, so moving on, we have a couple submitted questions. So it may not apply to one of you, but <laughs> when you win the previous tournament on the tour, um, do you feel extra pressure going into the next tournament? No. No. I, I yeah, felt, not really. felt none. No. I, I won mine on a Wednesday. Just wait. Has <laughs> any of you ever won back-to-back -back cash tournaments? Oh, oh, Carrie, uh, how's that going? There is some pressure. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think there is. I don't think there is because you're more focused just making the cut again because it, it's such a good field. I think once once you get to a point that you've been making cuts quite quite often, the cut is no longer the worry. It was trying to win or trying to get into a position to win. Obviously, yeah. cut is the first option, but um, there for a while I was on top of my game. I always felt like I should be making the cut, no problem. I was looking at getting deep into the tournament. So, um, to take that question, I did feel quite a bit of pressure, especially after I won the Autumn Open, or won Heritage, and then won the Autumn Open, and then came to TPC, mm -hmm. the only tournament I haven't won, and there was so much pressure to even try and make it, and I missed the cut. No, no, you didn't. Oh, Gary Barry shot 400. That's and, right, and yeah. I, and I always said, oh. Gary, Gary Gary no longer can win three in a row. And it's like winding in the corner at 15, 16, right? So I remember that. <laughs> but but I, 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 I don't classify it as pressure, though. It, the right? situation I, I, I can see the third one because when has it happened? I, I, I just right? think yeah. yours yeah. is over summer, too. There's two different things going on. If yeah. you're in the same season, you got a lot of other things going on. I think for you, you had the whole summer to think about it. Right. But I won the Autumn Open at the beginning of the no, year. No, but but you know, but your second one was Autumn Basically, Open, it's a right? new season. Oh, right. So yeah, you had a whole yeah, summer to think the about it. For the second and one. not only that, you you qualified, you made the you made the finals for the for the WCBT finals, and then you wanted to be back there to, to reap the benefits or, or get there again, and that happened. So right. Yeah. I honestly, I think trying to win the the event again the next year is probably more pressure. Right, and uh, Autumn Open's a perfect example for me. And not only that, I've been chasing Bruce Mortar for my entire lifetime, right? So uh, obviously that's not going to happen anymore. But I, I think once you start thinking, okay, well, okay, I've got this one and this one. In your case, Carrie, like hey, now you're thinking, okay, how much more pressure is there to complete the cycle, right? You must have a ton more pressure because you build it up in your own mind, though. Yeah. Right? And I think that get back to building cuts and then start building your resume during Sunday. Right? Oh, for sure. Obviously, it's back to basics, right? Um, missing TPC cut this year yeah. um, has gotten me back to just mm -hmm. trying to make the cut first of all, and then moving on from there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, always having that in the back of my mind to be one of the people to complete all four tournaments is huge Ridiculous. on my resume. Yeah. So that that's something I'm always looking forward to. Um, but the the pressure I think is always there. You may not think of it, but once you probably make the cut and you realize that you could win back to back tournaments, it it's got to creep into your mind a little bit. If not, you got a steel trap and you shouldn't be bowling. You should be doing something else. A lot of it comes from within, though, too. You kind of we yeah. put it on ourselves. I do. 
I, I, you can't pinpoint that as a reason why you didn't necessarily compete well the next or didn't oh, win no. the next one because you're thinking about the win. I think right? it helps. You, you should be going into every tournament thinking you're going to win. Yeah. So, so really, what is the matter, right? Yeah. I, I, think, I think mine was totally different, I think, for me. One, I, like I said, well, I went on, on Wednesday. I went on Wednesday, but it was different. It was anti-climatic, like, right? Because it didn't feel the same as winning when you win it on a right. Sunday. Then, then, I, when you, then you roll into Regina. So when you play Regina, your already expectations are already high on what the cut's going to be. It's twenty two something that year, right? And then, then you're following back here and down in Calgary, and I I was going through a lot of personal stuff, and I was just happy to make the cut, and then I made first. I think qualified first in the in the forties. Yeah. And then, and then I got a surprise that honestly, Mitch Davis me all the all the whole way. So it was. It was it, it was great. It was real great. Uh, but I just it was a different it was a different part of my life where I think it, I didn't have, in all fairness, I I strive. It, it was different. I uh, I was different than the rest of the guys probably. When I finally won my event, you have a bucket list, right? You have your bucket list. You, you I want to win open now. And so ba basically, honestly though, I I had I kind of like lost interest. I kind of hit my bucket list and I was pretty much uh, pretty much good with it. I can't speak to it from a cash tournament perspective, but I was just going to say from a, uh, I had the fortunate to win the Calgary Zone Trials about three years ago, and even the next year for that, I came into it with the mindset that I wanted to repeat and win again. So, um, you know, so it's, it's the same thing. You, you just have the expectation, I'm the champion, so you want to repeat. So it's, it's all that pressure that you build on yourself, for sure. But there's no reason to do it. You should just come in confident and just play your game. and. Whatever happens, happens. But just have it, every time you win, it's just a confidence builder for the next tournament. Yeah, for sure. So, actually, I have a, I have something I want to share. Um, we we actually Mitch Davies brought this up, and he invited nine of his other friends, and basically it's a fantasy pool. So we're this year we're kind of try something different with our friends. It's gonna be fifty dollars each. We're all gonna he invited nine of his friends and we're gonna sit down and we're gonna do a fantasy two pool. No different than like hockey or football or or basketball or baseball. So we're, I'm really interested in how it works. It was one of the best ideas Mitch Davies has ever had. So kind of we Might had the, the rules. First. It was it was like ten ten points, ten points for a cut, ten points for each match when you have. Um, and there's it's gonna be a snake draft. I'm really kinda interested. We have rankings. There's no money on the line though. No money on the line. Yeah, absolutely no money. Um <laughs> That's why Gone backs in. So <laughs> we have, we have, if you look at this, we actually have a ranking sheet uh, that Mitch has been nicely to, to make up for us. Uh, five pin universe ranking, overall points since 2012, right? And the Regina Classic rank since 2012 to 13 as well. So really, it's going to be a, I think it's going to be in depth draft. He thinks it's going to take about two hours. Um, I actually have a pro scout. Derek Hall is my scout. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we're going to have a good time with it. So. Maybe Don't next. Pick Mitch. No, we're not going to pick Mitch. No, so you're really he's interested. A, he's a sleeper pick for sure. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> on the second page. <laughs> All right, awesome, great podcast, guys. Thanks for everybody for joining. Thanks, Robbie, for joining us Thanks, and uh, trying this live feed out. And uh, yeah, good luck this weekend, boys. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.